0: service. Good morning online. I'm Pastor Chase. And hey, I'm loving it. The room looks pretty full today. Amen. Who's excited to be in the house this morning? I'm going to close out our worship in the word series this morning. And so if you haven't been here for the last five weeks, this sermon series has been going through some spiritual disciplines. All right. Week one, I talked about how to study in the text. And then Pastor Nate talked about how to worship with praise and song. Then Pastor Kevin talked about prayer and how to really just fully get on your knees and how to pray to God. And then last week we had Chris Genders talk about simplicity and what it looks like to say no to fleshly desires, say I want to follow this throughout what even fasting might look like. I'm closing with this this morning because it is a spiritual discipline, community. And we're closing with this one for a reason. This one's been hard lately, and it's been no fault of anyone in this room. This one's been hard because for the last year and a half, we have been dealing with COVID and policies and rules and regulations, which has made community hard. Who's excited that community is coming back naturally? Yeah. As we dive in this morning, I want to address a couple things with this. As we've done some studies through what COVID has done the last 18 months, there are several universities doing some major studies, and one of the major studies they're doing is how much isolation and the lack of community has impacted mental health. That is a study that's being done so much right now because people are struggling. Funny thing is, we see people that were diagnosed with COVID at some point in the last 18 months They're saying up to 30 to 40% of those individuals are now needing for right now an anti-anxiety or an an anti-depression drug just because of isolation, just because of what's been going on. And church, I want to start off this message with knowing this, we have a yearning for community. No one truly looks at another person and says, man, I wish I could be alone all the days of my life. No one says that. There's a reason why a lot of people will tell you that solitary confinement is inhumane. Because when you have people that are alone constantly, 24-7, they get a little different. That's the best way I can say it. They go a little crazy. Some of you in here might be like me. I'm a 100% 12-point extrovert. If you don't know what that means, I feed off other people. I get more energy when I'm around other people. So some of you are like me, and we had like, I was in like day five of, uh, you know, COVID protocol last April. I'm like, I'm done with this. (laughs) Some of you made it to day 40. Some of you made it to day 60. More power to you, introverted people. That's okay. But I mean, I'm telling you, it was rough. It's hard. We have a yearning for community. Actually, Mother Teresa puts it this way. The most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved I explain it this way to to young couples when I'm doing premarital counseling sometimes marriage is not the best route because someone might be going into it because they're just lonely and that's not a healthy reason to get married everyone has that fear If we were to sit down and talk about each other online and just say, "Hey, what is psychologically, what is what is in my profile?" Everyone somewhere deep down has that fear of loneliness. Somewhere, some of you might say, "Yeah, my number one fear right now, as as a married person, is I will lose my spouse. That's my number one fear. I don't want to do this alone." Some of you might feel, "Yeah, I, I don't want to raise my kids alone." And I get it. I've seen some of your kids. That would be rough. I get it. Loneliness, it's a hard thing. But there's a solution to this. And what I love about this is there's a solution that God has given us to this. That's why it's a spiritual discipline because God knew we needed other people. And so we need to strive for an authentic gospel community. Now, if I was preaching this 20 years ago, I probably could have said we need to strive for a gospel community. I put the word authentic in there because, man, we got to talk about that word. Because somewhere along the way, we stop being real with each other. So not only do we need to be a gospel community, but we need to be authentic with who we are. Know what our flaws are. Know what our strengths are. So I'm going to talk about three points today that hit this, what this gospel, this authentic gospel community looks like. And they're going to be labeled this way. The first point we're going to hit this morning is authentic gospel community is what we are created for. What we were created for. So I'm going to take the next seven minutes and I'm going to unravel for you one of the greatest mysteries of the faith and explain it to you. In the next seven minutes we're going to nail down the Trinity and just Knock it out of the park, all right? Here we go. And I mean that a little facetiously. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over all the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let me start with this we're made for community because community is something that God knew. And how God knew community is because God in person is community. And what I mean by that is we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. All three uniquely different, all one. Well, that makes no sense. I know, right? That's hard. All three uniquely different... All one. And what I love about Genesis 1, and this might be something for one or two of you to take, they're all on the scene at creation. How we know that? Let us make man in our image. Jesus doesn't come on scene just, you know, a couple thousand years later. He's there. Holy Spirit, we know that because the Spirit's hovering over the waters of creation. And let us make them in our image. Let's make man in our image. The Trinity. Three different, unique, but all one. Actually, John 16, I I love the words of Jesus, and it says this. John 16, starting in verse 12, says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Holy Toledo, what is that? What that is is this. Everything that is God's is Jesus. And everything that Jesus has, he's turned it over to the Spirit. It's not like God the Father is like, I am in command of all. You two are still subordinate to me. That is not the appropriate view of the Trinity. What I love about the Trinity is they are, they are glory deflectors. The Son is all about glorifying the Father. The Holy Spirit is all about glorifying the people and God's creation back to Him. And God's all about glorifying everything. So much so sending His Son for us. That's the Trinity at work. That's community. So let's talk about what community looked like in the garden, okay? Day one or two or seven. Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 says this, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. All right, every guy in here is going to love this verse. This is like my Sunday afternoon verse because I want to sit at home in my boxers and just watch some sports. I know that's TMI for some of you, but that's just who I am. (laughs) Meg gets mad at me all the time. That's fine, whatever. She's like, what if people come over? And I'm like, okay, I will put on some pants. I got time. (laughs) And what I love about this is this was community to them. They didn't know sin. They didn't have shame. I say sometimes that I don't have shame, but I still have a little bit of shame. And then what happens is sin comes on the scene. What you have in Genesis 1 and 2 is just God's perfection at work. God's saying, Man, we want community like we have with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so therefore, He made man. And if you guys don't know the story, what happened is man was like over all of creation and all the animals. And God's like, Hey, you need a helper. And man's looking around saying, None of these will do. And so God's like, All right, here's woman, all right? And that's community, because man was alone, and man was lonely. And then all of a sudden, Satan comes on the scene, and he destroys that authentic gospel community that we had day one, and we've been striving for it ever since. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 2. Paul says this, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Verse 3, do nothing out of from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on the cross. So let me talk about that for a second. Let me theologically unpack it. Not equating himself to God. For example, Jesus, God in flesh, steps down, comes to earth because, hey, I want to make sure my people are glorified and I want to save them from what Satan has wrecked to the point of death. And so when we talk about how do we look for this authentic gospel community, not only were we created for it, but this community means we show up. That's point two. Authentic gospel community means we show up. The examples from Jesus had the greatest entrance of all time. What I mean by that, born of a virgin. Pronounced and declared, prophesied hundreds of years before. But church, what it means to us, if we're going to strive to have authentic gospel community, it means we need to show up let's talk about a couple things in our life. What does that look like if you're truly trying to have this kind of community in your marriage? What does it mean as a husband or wife that means you show up? What does it mean to show up in your marriage? Maybe it means you bear with one another's faults. Maybe that means you're given quality time. Maybe that means you're showing the love of Christ. For those who might not be married, what does that look like in your Friendships. What does it look like to show up in those friendships? Let me tell you what it doesn't look like because that's the way easier thing to do. Everyone has those friends, and if if it's you or if you think it's the person next to you, don't nudge them because I don't want to shame anybody. But when you show up and you have a great conversation with a friend, you're like, man, here's what's going on in my life. Here's the struggle I'm going through. And all of a sudden, that friend retorts, I get you, but man, here's what I'm going through. It's like, you know... Here's my pain, but oh, that's your pain. Here's my pain. It's way bigger. That's not showing up. For example, the only context, because I love context, that that's okay to have that kind of mentality in. Guys, this is for you. Is when you're toning season and this guy's like, yeah, I bagged this six-point buck this morning. You can be like, mm, that's cute. <laughs> that, that's when it's okay. It's not okay to minimize someone's pain or problem. Authentic gospel community means we show up, we have that ear of listening, and we want to listen to them. What does it look like to have that community as parents? What does that look like? Maybe what that looks like is we actually explain explain to children why you don't do something instead of just saying you don't do this. Because whether you know it or not, When you look through Scripture, God gave clear reason why we shouldn't do the things we shouldn't do. We were just dumb enough anyway. And I'm not saying children will be any different. That's how I learned. My parents could have gave me like a 12-page paper on here's why this is not a smart idea. (laughs) What do you know? I get it. But why do we do that? So we have understanding. So we have the conversation, so we actually say we're showing up and investing in the relationship. Lastly, what does it look like to have authentic gospel community in church? And you might be saying, well, Chase, it's church. That should naturally be authentic gospel community. I promise you, if you've been in more than one church in your life, you've probably seen a church that doesn't know what authentic looks like. As a pastor, that's hard to say because it hurts me to my core. But authentic gospel community in the church means we love each other, even if we have a different viewpoint. We care for each other, even if we look different. We appreciate each other, even though we might parent differently. That's what it looks like. We show up. And for some of us, maybe it's not practical. Maybe it's like, man, I got to be at church more than one Sunday a month. Maybe it's, hey, shameful, shameless plug. Maybe it's, let's get in the Life Group. The connections pastor's telling you, yep, that's a great idea. Because that's where some authentic gospel community happens, is in Life Group. And the other thing that happens at Life Group is something that's awesome. You get some of the best laughs at Life Group. Let me tell you, as, a, as the Connections Pastor, when I go and travel and visit other life groups, I look at myself sometimes after I leave and I'm like, man, should they be a life group? Because they love each other that much and they're being real with each other and you see them trying and you know, they make jokes to each other. It's great to see that community and that bond. They're living life together. That's what authentic gospel community looks like when we show up. But let's be honest. We have a tendency not to show up. And I'm preaching to myself. You're talking to a pastor that has a struggle with work, being a workaholic. I, I I do. 100%. You're talking to someone that struggles with the mentality of if I want it done right, I do it myself. I struggle with that. I tell you I struggle with that because I'm pretty certain I can relate with maybe a couple of you in the audience this morning. Anybody out there might spend too much time at work? Oh, cool. I'm like one of two. Nice. All right. I always knew I was special. All right. Maybe, not to get too close to home, we spend too much time with our kids and not with our spouse. That's a hard one. Maybe when we look around, our kids are running the house and not the parent. What do I mean by that? When you look at your schedule and you say, yep, here's our schedule for the week, and not one of those items deals with us as a married couple, you got a problem. You got a problem. And and you might look at me and say, Chase, you don't have kids, what do you know? What I know is this. When I deal with couples in marriage counseling all the time, it's one of the biggest things we deal with, especially at year 7 to year 10 of marriage. They got two and four year olds in the house, and man, they have run riot on them. And they forgot what it means to love each other. It means we show up for each other. N.T. Wright puts it this way The church isn't simply a collection of isolated individuals all following their own pathways of spiritual growth without much reference to one another. Guys, being a Christian, being part of the church, it is a team sport. It is a team sport. This ain't golfing here. I'm telling you right now, it's not. And thank God it's not because, man, there's no sport that frustrates you more than that sport. This is us hitting the gridiron every single week and all realizing we have a different position on the team. Not going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to give you a synopsis. We're all different parts of the body. Some of us are hands. Some of us are feet. Some of us are good listeners, some of us are good speakers. Some of us have great eyes to see problems before they happen. All right, Everybody's got something different. But we're all equally important, and we're all matter to the community. And so how we respond to each other matters. When Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, he mentions this, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone and hear this. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. I fully believe those, that text is there, so I catch it especially. Because as a pastor, one of the struggles I deal with also is I have a lot more grace for non-Christians than I do believers. And I wholeheartedly admit that. But we need to notice that we need to make sure that we're doing good, especially for those who are in the household of faith. If someone in this room or someone in our community stumbles, we saw it through COVID, who picks them up? We do. If someone here loses a child, who's grieving with them? We are. If someone loses a spouse, who's there bringing meals and saying, hey, do you want to be alone or do you want to talk? We are. We've lost that, church. We've lost sight of that a little bit. And I'm going to tell you why. We are just so darn busy. We are so busy. And we've busied ourselves up with things that are not of the gospel. You're talking to someone that loves sports. You're talking to someone who loves being outside. You're talking to someone who loves vacations. You're talking to someone who likes material things. Even mention that's probably why God won't bless me with riches, because I'd go out and buy some jet skis. All right? Just saying. I love, their, I love those things. But what I'm saying is, as we talked last week, as Chris talked about what simplicity looks like, we have to own that in order to own community. Because if we don't know what it means to live a simple, godly life in the gospel, that God matters most, everything else is under here. We'll never understand true community. And here's why I say that. Because what keeps me in check for a true community is that I have God first. Because it's that that reminds me, hey, be patient with your spouse. Because I have God number one. Be patient with this friend. When I don't have God as number one, and for example, for me, when, when I have number one, the Green Bay Packers, whatever quarterback situation we got going on, When I have that as my number one, I spend hours on that figuring that out. I lose sight of things. I lose sight of things. I'm not the greatest friend. I'm not the best pastor. And I'm definitely not the best husband. Because I've lost sight of what God being number one and I've lost sight of what community looks like. Church people are hard. People are hard. I know that because I'm difficult to deal with. No one said amen. Thank you. (laughs) The point is we have grace for each other. And at the end of the line, we remember this. When we talk about how hard people are and toxic people are, I get it because that's true. But we remember this one truth. Sin happened. Sin happened. And we have human nature. So the third point for having that authentic gospel community is this. We are on mission. And we are on mission because sin happened. We are on mission because Satan destroyed gospel community with selfish desires. In John chapter 20, after Jesus has come back from the dead in miraculous form, he says this to the disciples. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And that you, even though in context he's talking to the disciples, should just go ahead and shake all of time and know that he is sending the body. The followers of the way, that's who he's sending. And not only that, but right after Jesus says that, he does something that's just awesome. He gives them the Holy Spirit. He breathes onto them the Holy Spirit. And why I love the text is he breathes the Holy Spirit onto them. Nerd fact from Pastor Chase. The Old Testament Hebrew word for spirit is ruah, which means wind or breath. And that's how Jesus gives the disciples the Spirit of God. Church, if you believe that Jesus is your Savior, if you've taken up that call, you have the Spirit of God. That's a biblical truth. And if there's anything that nudges you towards a mission, because that mission that we are on is to go out and reach people to have authentic gospel community, that should be what nudges you. So what do we do? So with all this, what, what what is Chase trying to say? Authentic gospel community, where do I start? The starting line is a willing heart. A willing heart. Let me give you a story. Um, when I was in football when I was younger, we had a coach that was our conditioning coach. Um, as a defensive tackle, he was my least favorite coach. Um, because what he coached as his main sport was he was also the track coach. Why we need a track coach, coaching football is beyond me, but whatever. And he had this drill we used to do. The lineman would start first and you would start running. Then you're backfilled. And then your cornerbacks. And then your linebackers. Then your wide receivers. And this is what was told to you. Linemen, if anybody passes you from another part of the team, you're running again. I will tell you right now. After one time of a wide receiver passing us, it never happened again. They knew what community was like. Telling you right now. At this point, there's 225 defensive tackle, which is small for a tackle. I passed the line before our 305-pound guard did, but I'm telling you right now, that 120-pound wide receiver was right behind him, but never in front. Because he knew better. Cause we were a team. And you don't want to send the people that protect you to run again. I say that for this church, and here's why I say this: we're a team. You might be more spiritually deaf than somebody next to you. That doesn't mean you don't bring them along with you. That doesn't mean you don't train them, encourage them, coach them. Some of you might be, hey, I'm not there. I've only been a Christian for two and a half years. Find someone to latch on to. Find someone to mentor you. Find someone to have that community with that wants to hold you accountable. Before we had baptisms, I was back in the back in the green room talking to Sean and Lori Allen before she had her baptism. And I said, guys, what's the most important part about community to you with church? And Lori's answer to me was, My goodness, it's accountability. I get it. If I didn't have accountability, man, I would do some really not good things. I would not be near the person of faith I am without accountability. Or without others being ahead of me, showing me the example. Because yes, Jesus is the ultimate example. But let me tell you what helps me. Having some mile markers along the way. Being like, all right, there's Jesus. There's Billy Graham. There's Pastor Dan right there. And you're trying to get there. That's good to see, and that's okay, that's what community is all about. But we have to have a willing heart. So let me talk to a certain crowd this morning first. Gospel authentic community is the salvation story. Because at the end of the day, God wants us to be in community with him. And how we do that is through the son. How we do that is knowing that Jesus took it to the cross all of our pride, all of our selfishness, all of our sin, all of our infidelity, all of our lustful desires, all the greed of our heart, all of our messed up priorities, Jesus says, I got this, I'm taking it. Your job is to do better. To follow a little bit closer. But before you can even go there, your job is to know that I've done this for you and just accept me and say, I want to do better. Jesus, come into this heart that's wretched and lead me and let others guide me. So maybe that's your call this morning. Maybe you don't know what it's like to be in this body of faith in this community. Let me tell you something. I would not be a believer if it wasn't for community. I wouldn't be a believer if it, if it wasn't for a grandmother teaching me certain ways when I was a kid. I wouldn't be a believer if it wasn't for youth group sponsors and volunteers along the way helping sharpen my faith and showing me how much this matters. Most importantly, I wouldn't be a believer if I hadn't seen God start to work on this heart. That's how I became a believer, but how I maintained it how I grow it, is by other people around me. For example, to tell on myself a little bit, I'm a fairly sarcastic person. Some of you know that. I I looked at my wife Megan the other night and I said, what you doing? She was, I'm reading scripture. And I looked at her and I joked and said, that's probably good for you. And she looks back at me and says, when's the last time you read and not for study? And I was like, all right, I'm out, I'm out. I'm going, I'm going to the other room. Because it convicted me. When's the last time I read and said, God, just teach me something, pour into me. Not to learn something new, but just to show me how to walk closer. So church, maybe you've been a believer a long time. What does this mean for you? Hebrews chapter 10. We don't know who wrote it, but here's what it says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All right. I read that text. We talk about community and I say this. We had a real life struggle this last year. We had a real-life pandemic, 100%. Church, it's time to pick ourselves back up and charge the mountain. It's time to get back into church. It's time to get back into life groups. It's time to show each other what love really looks like. And it's time to step side by side and do it together. Amen? Honestly, I didn't preach that entire sermon to have that small little moment of rally call. I say it because it's truth. When we look at the world today and we see the struggle, I blame no one but us. I want you to hear me on that. When I see the world struggles, I see our country struggling, I blame no one but us. Why I blame us is we have the answer. Why I blame us? We have the hope. Why I blame us? We have Jesus. And he has given us quite the weighty call. So if you're a believer in here, that's what I'm calling you this morning. If you're not, come talk to one of us. We'd love to talk to you a little bit more about what that Jesus person is. But church, take this out today and let it embolden you. And let us truly try to have a discipline of prayer and a discipline of community and a discipline of praise and a discipline of study. And may we live a simple life. Lastly, you need to take that next step whether it's baptism life group calling on Jesus for the first time come talk to me, Connection Central come talk to one of our volunteers, come talk to Pastor Dan Pastor Lizzie, anybody come talk to one of us, we want to hear about you let's pray this morning church Heavenly Father God, we're just so glad we gather in your house this morning as we talk about authentic gospel community and that's what we're supposed to emulate in this room God may we just take your word out May we know that you loved us first. May we be in awe of the fact of your community, the Trinity, the fact that we have salvation through Jesus, because the love of the Father and the Spirit drives us. May that be our call, and may we just embolden ourselves with that. Pray us all in your name, in the name of your son Jesus Christ. Amen.